0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
1: There are some days on the calendar that just hit me differently. And I'll be honest, one of those days is the first day of the fall or summer that you can look and see there is an actual football game being played. That is tonight, the Hall of Fame game. I don't care if it's preseason, I'm all in for all of it. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. And Sarah, we're going to start with some straight talk. Brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. You know that I was a fat kid that played the violin growing up. Well, <laughs> let's go one step deeper. How about being the fat kid it My great aunt Eunice, all right, my great aunt Eunice lived in Wall, South Dakota, right? And so I was a little kid. I go to Wall, home of Wall Drug, by the way, the first place that ever gave out free water to people driving through the uh, interstate. That's how they uh, became famous. They had these great donuts, which the fat kid in me loved. And you know what? Every year I would go to Aunt Eunice's house for a couple weeks and hang out in South Dakota. I'd take my violin and I'd practice. It was there. It was at that house that I learned that my favorite way to practice at times was to actually turn on a football game and mute it. Because I remember sitting at Eunice's house in Wall, South Dakota, watching the first preseason (laughs) game, the Hall of Fame game, all the way back to when I was 10 years old. I've got a problem. I am excited for tonight. Dallas taking on the Steelers, 8 o'clock Eastern. I'm all in for all of it. It reminds me of my childhood.
2: It does not remind me of my childhood. The only real football memories I have of my youth is uh, once in a blue moon being adorned in Bears gear from a Super Bowl that I was too young to ever see or know anything <laughs> about by parents who didn't care about football at all. And then when we got into high school years, my sister being really into the Bills because it was back in the days when they kept making the Super Bowl. And so she decided that she was just going to be a Bills fan. Um, that's about it. We did not watch a lot of football in my household. My parents are not big sports fans. I've mentioned that before. And so when I think of 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 like the Hall of Fame game, what I really think of is that I don't care who's playing I don't care if all their starters are out. I don't care if it's any good. I just am glad that it signals the beginning of football and the fact that we have, from here on out, endless Sundays, Thursdays, Mondays, probably some weird Tuesdays and Wednesdays at this point that we're going to get NFL.
1: I mean, there's not another weekend that we'll deal with for the rest of the calendar year that doesn't have an NFL game. And that, in and of itself, just has such a peace for me and you know i i feel like i spent in fairness i think most of us spent last summer in the beginning, at this time a year ago, so afraid that we weren't going to get anything, we weren't going to get much football, we weren't going to get a full NFL season. What was it going to look like? No fans in the stands. All the things that we talked about ad nauseum a year ago. I don't know that I was able to really just sit back, relax, and enjoy. And I don't know that I've gotten through parts of that. But the the concept that we're going to actually get a, a, a an opportunity to escape from everything and feel normal for a little bit on Sundays and fall starts tonight and to me there's just so much power in that that moment and so much i don't want to say healing but there's so much uh just relief for me knowing that there's some sense of normalcy
2: yeah it won't be totally normal i don't want to kill your buzz right off the bat right yeah. after you said how excited you are it won't be totally normal we still are dealing with a lot of covid related issues uh we have our first 17 game season which isn't normal at all More football. and we have a lot of questions about what things are going to look like after a very strange season last year. One thing, you know, I think is really going to matter the most tonight is what's the weather like for the Hall of Fame game? And in order to get that, we're going to go to our weather person, Bill Belichick.
3: Whatever it is, it is. Uh, I can't control that, so looks like the field will be wet. If it rains, it rains. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, you know, it's hot, it's hot. It's not. And that's what it is, so.
1: Back to you, Sarah, with the sports. I mean, that is yeah, just a perfect... I think it's perfect- useful.
2: I mean, if you're going to make your bets, you need to know the conditions in Canton. And uh, thanks to Bill for really setting it up for us. If it is, it isn't. And if it isn't, it is.
1: So- uh, by the way, Straight Talk Wireless, uh, we're giving you the Straight Talk. No contracts, no compromise. Uh, look... You mentioned the the bets on it. Can we just take a second and like I, I'm all in for gamble on what you want to gamble on. Like go out there, throw your money away. I don't care. But gambling on preseason, Maybe like, not
2: like cockfighting or dogfighting. Yeah, I
1: mean, let's be a little more specific. You're right. I'm all in on go out gamble on the NFL any way you want Le- to gamble legal on the NFL.
2: Don't I, cause harm to probably right or animals or
1: <laughs> I, I, my fault for you know presuming most people aren't be too monsters. Broad you're right in
2: the internet in so the
1: internet age. within reason. Let's say when it comes to your NFL passion, if you want to be that guy that goes in and bets on everything, and I'm looking straight at Jake that works on our show because I'm, I'm telling degenerate. you, like at yeah. some point, Jake's going to, I don't know if there's a, a Mrs. Jake, but if there's a future <laughs> Mrs. Jake, she's going to sit down and have a come to Jesus conversation with Jake about the uh, side but account. But is he like because, Kevin
2: Winter levels of degenerate? Oh, yeah. Still yeah. Like in, okay, wow. And okay. for
1: anyone that doesn't know, Kevin Winter, our Sports Center update, I always use this one story. I was at a Yard Goats game with a bunch of people. Kevin was there and they were doing the, that thing in between innings where the kids that are dressed up in costumes run the innings, right? Before you know run it, the win- bases, yeah, or yeah, run the bases. Before you know it, Winter's got the entire group of us putting no. cash on which no. kid's gonna win, and we were yelling <laughs> at the kid that fell. We're like, "Come on, two! What are you doing?" Like, I, I, it's a slippery slope, and I get it. But betting on preseason, like uh, the Raiders' worst years, I remember them having great preseasons. I don't know how you even approach that. Like no. that's just a that's just a level of insanity I can't embrace.
2: Fitz, I saw a tweet the other day that stuck with me to the point that I just went and found it uh, from someone Stroop a loop on Twitter. Stroop, I saw a guy bet three thousand dollars on a Jags preseason game. It changed my life. Scared me straight. <laughs> like, can you imagine? Not just any preseason, a Jags preseason game, and you're putting down three k get a hold of yourself, man. That's remarkable. And I presume it was a man. Listen, I'm sure there are plenty of female degenerates, but that was 100% a guy who bet three grand on a Jags preseason game.
1: Well, and it all goes back to the the winners and losers portion of that. Like I remember being on the road, and uh, at the time, we were on the same tour as Darius Rucker, and Darius is a noted uh, Madden player. And so his green room, he sets up a Madden on Xbox and a Madden on PlayStation so that no matter what your form is, he can beat you in it. So I walked in. All cocky one day, and I'm like, "All right, Darius Rucker, uh, I don't care. I'm I'm gonna take you down." And he's like, "Great, my minimum buy-in's five k." And I'm like no and i was like I, i'm not gonna bet you five thousand dollars on a on a madden, a madden game and he's like well if think about it if you win you can call your wife and be like hey i won five grand and i said my wife would say what the hell are you doing betting five thousand dollars on a video game oh, so like man. I, i'm betting that uh stroopaloop is a single male i'm just well, saying that's so the only is, way to get away with that so
2: is at bill buck who just tweeted jags preseason bet probably smart Meyer likely to follow the Spurrier model and run up the score like he's back in college. Bill, get some help, man.
1: Bill, man, Uh, get some help. Thoughts and prayers, Bill. Uh, (laughs) uh, Look, the one thing I will say about tonight, and again, you've got Cowboys taking on Steelers. You've got two huge brands on Hall of Fame weekend. There's a lot to celebrate. I think there's a ton to celebrate just in what we'll see from two Hall of Fame classes going in over the course of the weekend from just knowing football is back. But there will be absolutely zero takeaway from this game other than if, God forbid, there's an injury involved that I think matters at all to the regular season, right?
2: Right. We're going to see some, you know, a little bit of like base offense that they're going to be running, right? Because you're not going to have Dak. You're not going to have Amari Cooper. You're not going to have... Terrence Smith, you're not going to have Zach Martin, you're not going to have DeMarcus Lawrence, you're not going to have Ben Roethlisberger, you're not going to have Cameron Hayward, you're not going to have Joe Hayden. I mean, I'm watching, I guess, for Najee Harris, um, I guess, to see what they've got in Mason Rudolph, if you think that there's a good chance that Ben won't stay healthy all season. Maybe Dwayne Haskins, what's he going to do in a different location, getting maybe one last shot? Um, so you can watch for those things. And then again, to get a general idea of what offenses are going to look like under these coaches and with these, with these not with these players, but in general, that's about it.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. Spain and Fitz. By the way, one other thing I want to get into uh, quickly before we uh, before we move on. Not football-related in America, but football-related to the world. Barcelona has football. announced that Lionel Messi is leaving the club after Leonel. financial... Bar- uh,
2: what, what? Lionel? Lionel Le- Messi. is. Look, all these years, it's the first told. time I knew
1: that. I, yeah. I mean... Well, that, that's that's good knowledge. I mean, I did Sports Nation on a soccer show the other night, and I, I looked at him. <laughs> a lot I'm of like, people
2: still say Lionel, but I was I was told once Lionel, so I'm sticking with it.
1: I told him if it's Tim Smith, still write it phonetically. I don't stand a chance. <laughs> so we'll go Messi. We'll just go with the one word, like share. Messi leaving Barcelona, and uh, we're gonna put a poll up at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, uh, at uh, at Spain and Fitz. We're gonna ask you guys for a. Brief. (laughs) We'll get into why brief. Uh, A a (laughs) brief uh, moment of what this means, right, Sarah?
2: Yes. Basically, uh, in honor of a special day today, we'll tell you what it is later, just give us a brief summation of what it means for Messi to not be returning.
1: Yeah, well, we'll explain brief, and we'll also tell you about a particular group of dummies of the
0: day that's coming up (laughs) next, Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz Podcast.
2: We've got some dummies of the day to get to. We, we're, we're still workshopping a name for this. Maybe you guys can help. I'll throw it up on the Twitter, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, at Spain and Fitz. Is it face palms of the day? Is it dummies of the day? Is it morons of the day? Whatever it is, we'll ask you for some advice a little bit. Oh, could we do like a
1: segment. Monday thing and make it just another moron Monday? Whoa. Whoa. Oh,
2: That's good, but then we have to count on people being moronic over the weekend, which, to be fair, is not a big ask. I mean, it's but... 2021. I feel
1: like, I feel real... <laughs> of all the hot takes I've had, the, the, the hot take that somebody will be moronic every weekend is real. <laughs> like, I feel best about that one.
2: Uh, I do like just another Moronic Monday, but uh, I think it might be limiting. We need to be able to do this segment whenever the morons appear. So we'll we'll workshop it a little bit. For now, we'll just go Get with dummies trailer. of the day. We've got some good alliteration there. Uh you guys remember uh, a couple weeks ago, we took Dion Sanders to task for berating a journalist. I guess berating might be too strong for f- for firmly telling a journalist that he needed to be called coach and then walking out of the compressor that he was doing when he was instead called Dion. So here we are today, the 5th of August, 2021, just weeks later. And Jason Garrett, offensive coordinator for the New York Giants, did this.
0: Good to see you guys. Yeah. yeah, we say good to see you coach.
2: That's how we do it. Mm. Good to see you in person, Jason, is not something that should trigger you condescendingly explaining to someone that he should be called coach.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to change my stance on this depending on, like, alright, I mean good to see you fired former fired head coach, good to see you offensive right. coordinator, like, how specific do you want to get with your title? Good to see you person that the city of Dallas blames for ruining an entire opportunity <laughs> for a dynasty like, how specific, Mr. Garrett would you like that we get this? I mean I understand that there's a culture to call people coach, and frankly, we do it on this show, I do it for the the guests that we have that have a former coaching background, I understand that, but if so Somebody chooses to call him Jason in that moment. There is a better way to address that. I mean, that's
2: that's his name, first of all. And at what level? Like, I think it's bad enough to be a head coach and demand that you're called coach by the media. Like maybe you want to make it universal across the players that play for you, that you want them to call you coach. You want to do that? Fine. Fine. But the media, your fellow adult professionals do not need to call you. You're not their coach. Sorry, but let's just say that we feel a little bit more comfortable with a head coach saying that. Where do we draw the line? Offensive coordinator, line coach, strength coach, right? What if the strength coach did media sessions and then you tried to call them by their name and they're like, "Oh, it's coach. So we do it around here. I mean, and
1: again, we all know that sometimes life is how you convey that message. I got no problem with Jason Garrett going to somebody on the side and being like, hey, man. Uh, I just I prefer coach
2: if you don't mind like that that's that's I still have a problem with that really okay yes like that's much better than we do coach round here that's how we do it Uh, like that's better your approach it's still no you you have a name and if the media don't want to call you coach because you're not their coach I'm I'm perfectly fine with that.
1: And I, I can say that, like, on a much different level, everybody seems to call me by my last name. It's always been that way. Right. Uh, but it, I would think that if somebody came in and decided that they were only going to call me Jason and that was weird for me, uh, not many people do it. I would find a different way to communicate that message. I just think that there's a, a spot like nobody calls me Jay. So when people have right. called me Jay, I will at some point be like, hey, uh, you know, just just yeah, But that's not your name. Yeah. Right. Jason
2: Garrett is his name. That's fair. That is I, fair. Okay. That's fair. All right. I mean, yeah, that's just, yeah. Okay. All right. Moving on. Dummies of the day. Face palms of the day. Morons of the not Monday. Uh, Kirk Cousins, who is part <laughs> of a Vikings team that is really struggling with the vaccination numbers, had this very specific ex- uh, explanation for everything going on as he returned to practice after being part of quarantine.
1: I think the vaccination decision is a private, very private health matter for me and I'm going to keep it as such. Um, uh, I do believe that as a leader of the team, it's very important uh, to follow the protocols to avoid this close contact because that is that is what it's going to come down to, is did you have a close contact? And so I'm going to be vigilant about avoiding a close contact. I've even thought about, should I just set up literally plexiglass around where I sit so that this could never happen again? Um, I thought about it because I'm going to do whatever it takes. So um, we're going to avoid this close contact thing. And um, <laughs> and I uh, look forward to, uh, you know, making sure I'm playing for every game this year.
2: I just heard you squeak I, because he said, I'll surround myself with plexiglass. I'll do whatever it takes. But, but. I,
1: I mean, you're just slipping <laughs> an almost there, Kirk. Like, I'll do almost whatever it takes because there's a very simple answer to whatever it takes. And even if he believes that the decision to be vaccinated is a personal one, even if he believes that his union negotiated something that no longer makes it a personal decision because it impacts all of his teammates. So he's part of a collectively bargained process that made a certain set of rules for people that are vaccinated and are people that are not vaccinated. And if he's on the not vaccinated list and it impacts his team, it's no longer a personal decision. That's part of what happens when you play in the NFL.
2: And honestly, that whole idea of it being a personal medical decision we know most of the reasons why doctors would tell someone that they advise them not to get the vaccine, and they would be things that likely would already be known by the team, and they would be things that there would be no reason not to to, to necessarily share. And if that really is the case, um, I would be much more specific about that, and we don't often hear specifics from those who are choosing not to get vaccinated. They instead just say, I'm doing my own research, I'm looking into it, it's HIPAA, which it's not, it's a medical thing. Be specific, and you don't have to give up information that might not be, you know, But uh, what we're just finding out is that most of them don't have a reason beyond not believing in the science. And if that's going to affect your team, your salary, everybody else's salary, it's going to get pretty ugly. Spain and Fitz, there, Spain, Jason Fitz, our final facepalm slash dummy of the day. And again, we need you to tell us how to name this segment for futures. This is the worst of all. The, The Juventus women's football team, soccer club based out of Italy, tweeted a picture of a player wearing a practice cone, one of the cones for drills, on her head. And pulling her eyes away in an image that is blatantly racist and then included an emoji with a a tweet of an emoji doing the same thing. Took him 25 minutes to take it down. And I heard someone say, Fitz, this is so racist that it took me a while to even get that it was racist because I couldn't possibly believe that anyone would ever actually tweet this.
1: Yeah, I think that's the surprising part of it. Like the number of people that had to decide it was a good idea to take the picture, then post the picture. it's It's disgusting and it's ignorant
2: unbelievable this as anti-Asian hate crimes are rising this is we're having all of these conversations and then they have the, the guile or the the, the um, absurdity to come out and sincerely apologize which we've always been against racism and discrimination except for 25 minutes ago when we posted that coming up we'll bring in a friend to get us ready for the return of the NFL he's a fan of my new QB let's go
0: Spain and Fitz the podcast
1: Spain and Fitz on ESPN radio the ESPN app Sirius XM channel 80 Sarah Spain Jason Fitz It's National Underwear Day. That's why we're bumping in with some thong song. We're going to get you a thong song story you do not want to miss later in the show. I'm telling you. We, we're gonna deep dive this song, uh, but we've got work to do. Deep before. dive into a song. Oh my God! There's just I, look, the, the chances that this thing is <laughs> staying on the a, rails is gonna be a tough show. Limited. This the, we're, we're limited success rate tonight. Uh, we're presented <laughs> by Progressive Insurance. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're gonna head over to the Goodyear Hotline though, because you know sometimes you bring on a guest that's accomplished some great things. Harry Douglas, ESPN football analyst, has accomplished great things with the Falcons, great things with the Tennessee Titans, great things with Louisville in his career. He was on First Take today crushing it but frankly i think the career highlight for him is going to be spending every saturday night with me this fall on the college football show that you can check out digitally wow. I, i'm just wow. saying i mean we can't de- he <laughs> he's not up yet so we can't deny it yet. i mean it, it's the mic's not hot yet harry douglas thank you for hanging out with us a uh, good job on first take did i really like working with me trained you to be ready for first take today right
4: Listen, you definitely played a part in it. My twin brother, fraternal See? twin. I'm gonna say it every time I'm on a show with you, Sarah. If you didn't know, Fitz is my
1: fraternal twin. We, okay. We, yeah, we look a little different. Very uh,
2: confusing. We look a little different with it.
1: My abs are not yet Harry Douglas abs, but you know, one step at a time.
2: Uh, all right, you got one half of that. So. Uh, like- <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, Harry, let's let's start with I, I, I love getting to talk to former players on the opening day of preseason. Like when you're talking about the Hall of Fame game, like when you think back to preseason football, like do you have a favorite memory of your time in the NFL with a preseason game?
4: Um, I would say I'll have two of them. Uh, I think it was my rookie year. We was playing at Jacksonville. I don't remember if it was the first game or not. But I remember I caught like, a deep over route and ran it in for a touchdown. So that was a good feeling, being a rookie, being in this league. And then my first year, I was in Tennessee. Um, we had just drafted Marcus Mariota with, the, with the, I think, the second overall pick. And I wasn't used to playing, uh, I think it was a fourth preseason game, right? So when we got the news about that, we're, the, the best were going to be playing in the preseason game, like one series, I was like, playing the preseason game, the fourth one? I was like, this is crazy. But I was like, okay, I understand we have a rookie quarterback. So I was like, okay, it was a third down play. We have we have a receiver goes out of the game. I come in the game, catch a touchdown pass on a, on a um, little, little shallow cross about four or five yards, take it in for the touchdown. I go to coach and tell him I'm done. That's my <laughs> that's my one play. I'm done. Uh, <laughs> so those those two moments are my favorite in preseason.
2: So I have a question for you as a as a former player who understands that you know you you you, you run the risk of getting injured if you're a super starter, You're you're not going to play a lot or necessarily need it. I think you should have two preseason games, one where the starters get a half or so so they don't go into game one really rusty, and the rest of that time for bubble guys, gamers, people that you're just not going to know exactly what you have and who to give that roster spot to until you see them in live action against someone else. you agree, or are you someone who's like, just get rid of preseason altogether?
4: No, no, no. I disagree, but I disagree on the other side. I, I agree with having three preseason games because i see okay. tell you this. Not having that fourth preseason game, uh, game kind of eliminates – guys who are on the bubble, young guys who might have been undrafted, getting to showcase their skills and their talents just in case they haven't been able to do so within the first three preseason games. Because normally that's when the that's when the, the, the younger guys, the guys who are trying to make a roster, those that's when the time when those guys get a chance to play a lot and play a whole game, right? They get to play on all special teams while they have, still have to play a starting role at a position uh, on the field as well. So I agree with the three. Um, You can manage the three, but you want to give everybody the right opportunity to be able to make a roster. And if they're not going to make the roster that they're currently on uh, for training camp, let them put some tape on film where other teams can watch that and make the decision whether they want to pick them up or not.
1: We're talking to Harry Douglas on Spain and Fitz. Uh, Harry, one of our great uh, college football and NFL analysts around here. And I, I say this all the time. Uh, when when it comes to breaking down games, I tell people, find guys that do the work, and Harry does so much of it with film study. So I want to ask you about this because I'm not the Bears fan on the show and because I know you've watched enough tape to have a strong and informed opinion about it. Justin Fields, how good can he be in Chicago in your mind?
4: Hmm. Well, I, I think Justin Fields can be one of the top players in this league at some point. Now, when I look at the Chicago Bears team, you look last year – you look at two to three years they actually made the playoffs, right? They didn't do it with great quarterback play. They did it one year with decent quarterback play when they had that double doink. Uh, I believe it was against the Eagles, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you look at last year, this Bears team, this defense is so solidified and have so many great players to the point of where it doesn't get wiped out, but I'm pretty sure that those guys defensively are frustrated. With the quarterback play that they have had, especially last year to be particular, they started to get the year off 5-1. and one. I'll tell you this right now. The reason why they started 5-1 and one had a lot to do with that defense that they had that's so bona fide. Now, you move into this year, you have a guy like Andy Dalton that they're signed. We already seen last year what Andy Dalton can do, and it's not much at the moment. When he tried to save the day when Dak went down with the Dallas Cowboys and he came in and basically didn't produce for that team. So why even play with fire, especially if you're Matt Nagy and your management, why play with fire and risk your job by not starting Justin Fields? We've seen that happen in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield, and we've seen uh, the return it had on Hugh Jackson being let go as a as a head coach. We've seen that happen last year with the Los Angeles Chargers with Tyrod Taylor and Justin Herbert. And we've seen what Justin Herbert went to be. Now, I, I, I go to think about this. What if Anthony, Anthony Lynn decided to not play Justin Herbert? What if Tyrod Taylor didn't have that medical issue and Herbert was never e- even able to go in? He basically would have wasted a year when he was actually ready. And I thought right. Justin but Herbert we don't was know the best that, right? rookie quarterback-wise last year.
2: Yeah, I mean, we don't know that, right? Because they might have just said uh, that, that they wanted to see some more before they put him in. It just accelerated the timeline. That's the only thing I have to say, Harry, is that if you look, there are examples on both sides of players who sat behind someone for a year or two and, and then were great. The, the You know, the, the Aaron Rodgers, the Patrick Mahomes. But there are also those who were put into a pretty decent system right off the bat and had success day one. My biggest question is not about Justin Fields so much as it is about the offensive line, the system that he's going to play in, the weapons that he's throwing to. How risky is it? to put someone in because you're trying to save your job or because you want them to be in day one, if, if they're going to pick up terrible habits or you know, kind of lose the confidence that they had?
4: Well, it, it, it's risky, but hey, what's a life if you're not taking risks? It's just like when you invest money. Hey, you, you never know what you can make if you don't risk it. And as far as the offensive line, I think and one of on the Jack's things that they, need to get, <laughs> they need to get better at, I thought last year you had Matt Nagy saying one thing. You had the offensive co- coordinator saying another thing. So you have some players over here listening to one thing, some players over here listening to another thing. Then as far as the weapons, I actually think they have solid weapons around whoever is the quarterback. You have Montgomery, you have Tyreek Cohen, who's going to come back. You brought in Damian Williams. You have Allen Robinson at receiver. You have Moody. You had Demary Bird. You have Marquise Goodwin. You have solid tight ends. A quarterback's best friend, especially a young quarterback's best friend, is two solid tight ends, and they have that in Cole Komet and Jimmy Graham. Now, for the offensive line, everybody offensively, including the coaches, have to be a cohesive unit when it comes to protections, when it comes to blitz pickups. That involves everybody. So what right now in training camp, what I will be doing and during the regular season, I will carve out periods to where we just go over every blitz possible that we can possibly see on a consistent basis So everyone could be on one accord. So there's not dysfunction here and there. Or I thought this guy was coming. I thought I was supposed to slide here. No. You repetition, you rep it so much to where everyone knows what's going on and where they're supposed to be.
1: Harry, uh, we got to let you go. But in 30 seconds, give me your thoughts. For the Cowboys and the Steelers and their fans watching tonight, is there anything they can see that they can take away towards the regular season?
4: Well, I'll just tell you this. What I want to see, I want to see Dan Quinn. I want to see this defense for the Cowboys under Dan Quinn and see how these guys are going to be flying around the football. For the Pittsburgh Steelers, I want to see this offensive line. And can they be the Pittsburgh Steelers that we are accustomed to seeing? And that's playing smash-mouth football and getting downhill.
1: You guys can follow on Twitter, at HDouglas83, and you can watch us hang out every Saturday night this fall on the College Football Show and the College Football Wrap-Up Show, both Saturday nights. Harry, man, I can't wait to spend the weekends with you this fall. No problem. Thank y'all. Harry's the best. Does great work. Don't forget to tune into the That's What She Said podcast, hosted by our very own Sarah Spain and fueled by Gatorade. We appreciate their continued support of women's sports journalists and athletes here at ESPN and everywhere. Whatever path you take to greatness, Gatorade is there to fuel it. Greatness starts with a G. All right, today is a very special day on the calendar. We'll tell you why, and we'll tell you the meaning it has to
0: everybody, no matter your favorite sport. Next, Spain and Fits on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
2: We'll start by telling you that we asked you, uh, being not huge Premier League folks and not huge uh, N- international soccer fans outside of when our U.S. women's national team is dominating. Uh, we asked you to help us understand really the gravity of what it means for Lionel Messi to not be coming back to FC Barcelona. And we asked you to do it briefly because it's National uh-huh. Underwear Day. And here are a couple things that people said. Many hearts broken. The bidding war starts with Los Angeles. Like Rizzo leaving, but exponentially higher. Wow. Jeter leaving the Yankees times 1,000. Oh. Barcelona is broke. La Liga's worst nightmare. Kraus pushing MJ out of Chicago times five. Wow. That seems like an exaggeration. What a phony. What a fraud. Oh. Mm. Barcelona is lessy without Messi. Hmm. End of an era. Money ruins everything. Attempted European Super League destroyed players' trust. And finally, from our friend Angry Bears fan Dadman, the equivalent of McSalad shakers being discontinued.
1: I mean, McSalad Shakers were a delight, number one. <laughs> number two, they haven't covered it yet on Ted Lasso, so I don't really know how to break it down. Yeah. Like, that's where I get Eventually, my soccer knowledge from. Don't let us know it's whether we should be
2: a goldfish about this or not, mm. and whether it's the hope that kills you. We'll find out. <laughs> uh, let's get back to the thong song. Uh, really, we just need to Holy throw that Bishop. in there to pretend like we were talking about sports. We're not. We're going to talk about the thong song. And I had forgot. It's not that I forgot about it. It's come up on playlists. I've certainly enjoyed it in the years since it first came out in the 90s. But I was really diving back. In to the thong song uh, earlier, uh, maybe a year or so ago, when a vice documentary came out called The Story of Thong Song by Cisco. And this clip started making the rounds on the Internet. This is a very successful and famous classical violinist who got the call to add a little zhuzh to the thong song production.
4: This kind of sound you want to have. A, uh... And he said, yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. Then I said, "Well, what do you want to have as a punch for it?" He was going, "Yeah, like a
0: da 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 da." So I said, "What about?" And that's all going underneath. So this is basically what you hear.
2: I mean, just you love the backstory, you love to actually have isolated violin and hearing everything about it uh yeah, the and- the strings, by the way, are inspired by a cover of the Beatles Eleanor Rigby, which was originally sampled in it, and it became part but this guy you know went to Juilliard where you also went. Uh, you know, is graduated with Juilliard's highest award for excellence on the violin, and here he is throwing it down for thongs. So.
1: Yeah, uh, the funny thing is, and I- I'm the first to admit, I'm a huge music snob. Uh, the strings on that track are absolutely sensational. They're not good; they're <laughs> great. And like the arrangement is not good; it's great. And uh, I, you know, I got to give a lot of credit to Cisco for not getting in the way of it. Because mm-hmm. I-, I will tell you, I did, I did strings on a project one time that I've never been more proud of. Did this big arrangement. We had a big orchestra on it, and I was like, man, this is incredible and then the artist came in at the last second and was like yeah I don't it feels too big, so let's oh. just do a scratch of something that's kind of wonky. So I did that, and that became what they released instead. And I'm like, son of a biscuit! Like, yeah, there's just no this fair. moment, you know. But I will tell you, uh, a Cisco, uh, Cisco, two stories. I got two Cisco stories for you. Are you ready for this? Number one, of course one. you do. You're uh, you're uh, a fiddler, no, 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 that's and fair. of course you'd
2: have a tune, a, a, a tale or two about a tune done by a guy who incorporated strings into his rap.
1: Well, number one, do you know where Cisco was discovered?
2: Drew
1: Hill. Well, how that how that came to be. He was working in Maryland at one of those fudge places where they make the fudge and they sang songs and danced around while they did it. And I don't know if you're familiar with these, but they have them on the East Coast everywhere and like it's like the marble slab sort of fudge place where you make the fudge and then they had the little choreographed routine. Okay.
2: I we, mean, all I'm thinking about is milk milk lemonade around the corner fudge is made.
1: Yeah, well, and that's
2: cuz we're talking about the and Fudge.
1: And he was he decided he was going to do his own thing while they were making the fudge and there was a record label exec there with his family waiting to get fudge and said this guy is sensational. So like that's how we got his break was Wait, making fudge. He was
2: Making fudge and like just singing along while making it?
1: Yeah, that's what they did. Like those fudge shops on the East Coast, they had like a song. So somebody would scream, We got fudge and everybody oh. would like come together and then they would start singing whatever I their their fudge song was. Uh yeah. They, they were <laughs> Presumably all, uh, Amy
2: yeah. Schumer's milk milk lemonade uh, around mean. the corner fudges made. <laughs>
1: I got nothing for that. <laughs> and then uh the the interesting thing is I was literally just reading this like 2 weeks ago uh a, an interview with him about the thong song specifically and somebody asked where it came from and he said, you know, he was he went out on a date with this girl and yeah, then, I'm sure it was a date. Uh, yeah, and things were going well so he <laughs> went back to her place and uh he w- they were they were getting ready to do the dibbity. and he discovered she was wearing underwear he'd never seen before cuz remember this is like the mid 90s and thongs yeah. were not preface. And so he was like, what in God's creation is this? And she says, it's a thong. So like most guys in that situation at that age, he gets together with his buddies the next day and he's telling everybody, he's like, you will not believe this thing that I discovered. It's called a thong. They all went to the mall. They were looking at all the stores trying to figure this out like it was a thing, right? So they're like two weeks later and they're all sitting around and one of the buddies walks in the door, busts open the door and he's like, you were not going to believe what happened last night. They're like, oh, tell me. And he says, I'm hanging out with this girl. And what do you know? I got the thong, the thong, thong, thong. And he just says it there. And Cisco's like, Whoa. oh, my God, we're writing this song. So the great part of the story, though, is that when the song became huge, he went back and cut his buddy a massive check because he always That's felt awesome. like he owed him a portion of it because the thong, the thong, thong, thong came from a buddy just walking in after an escapade with underwear That's they'd amazing. never discovered before.
2: There's your thong, um, Yeah. Also, he, in, in interviews, presumably sort of like as, as a joke he described the first time he saw a thong, he said it literally turned his hair white, similar to Charlton Heston (laughs) in the film, The Ten Commandments. Which, if you remember, for those of you who know Cisco, he's got like platinum blonde hair, so presumably he claimed the hairstyle was because of the enthusiasm to when he first saw a thong.
1: But the the story is so strange for so many people now in in modern times, because the concept of a a group of guys being like, what is a thong? Right. But in the the mid-90s, like, that was, you know, that was, underwear fashion was not what it is today at that point. So That's very
2: true. And we're at the point now. And like, you know how old I've gotten is. And it's Spain and Fitz, by the way, Sarah Spain. Yeah, let's fit, tell everybody is, what the show uh, is. Let's, let's remind everyone never what mind, show are listening Freddie to. Freddie and Fitzsimmons. Like, like, this is Freddie <laughs> and
1: Fitzsimmons. Go ahead.
2: You're listening to Chanae and Golick Jr. Those <laughs> kids, they can never really stay on topic. Um. That now, like, thongs are, like, you know, bathing suits all the time. Like, it used to be you had to be at MTV spring break and be like, whoa, did you see that girl in the neon? To, like, see. Now it's just, like, I have been, like, in Hawaii hanging out with my husband. And there's, like, a 13-year-old girl and her family at the pool just straight up rocking a thong bathing suit. And I'm like, okay, that's where we're at now. Like, not out with your friends even, not like out with the boy you like, just sitting next to dad in the hot tub in a thong. I'm just not it, I'm too old for that fits. It it really jarred me. Not,
1: well, no, the thing that that weirds me out is that everybody just says, "Oh, that's a cheeky swimsuit." And I'm like, "No, when <laughs> I was a kid, your parents said, "Your butt cheeks are out." Like there's yeah. a there's You're a difference. you not leaving like, the
2: house in that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh God! I'm so glad Uh, we're both so old. I know, jeez, Louise. If my dog ever came home wearing a thong, actually, I'm going to post this on the internet. My dog has worn a thong because the Gronk boat gave away Zuba's underwear. Oh yeah! Uh, So the Rob Gronkowski party boat cruise that I went on and covered for work. Uh, they gave away full Zuba's pants to the men and underwear to the women. And I held them up and I I was like, do you have sizes? They were like one size fits all. I'm like, sure. Mm. And then I took it home and I put it on my dog Banks. Mm. And it did fit my dog perfectly. And I have a photo of it. So, yes, my dog did come home in a thong once. And I was here for it. I will post it on. Annabelle
1: listens to this show while I'm gone. (laughs) Annabelle, you are not wearing a thong, young lady.
2: Coming up, we're going to give you an Olympics update. A big OG veteran explosion for the U.S. Women's National Team and more. It's next.
0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz Podcast.
2: It wasn't the gold they were looking for and that all of America was looking for. Well, most of America. Not the haters, but It was a bronze. They redeemed themselves and fought back, and it was the perfect two people to lead the way. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. And the U.S. women's national team had to bounce back from a brutally disappointing loss that sent them to the bronze medal game instead of the gold medal game, and they did. And Fitz I watched it this morning, not at 3 a.m. I woke up and watched a DVR of it before it got spoiled for me. And to see Megan Rapino and Carly Lloyd each score twice in what could be their final Olympic matches. We don't know for sure. Everyone's ready to move them along. And I'm like, have you met Rapino and Lloyd? <laughs> like, let's not presume anything about what's next for them. But to have these two OG vets who have been leaders on this team, Carly Lloyd now becoming the U.S. Women's National Team's leading scorer all time in Olympics, passing Abby Wambach. Rapino scoring from corner in an intentional corner shot and then a gorgeous volley on a a poor defensive play that she just uh, struck right in. I mean, and then Carly Lloyd beautiful nutmeg of the goalie and another diagonal shot off her left foot that it was in the perfect spot for our post, like to watch it and to know what it meant specifically to those two women and their teammates against a really tough Australian team that kept coming back. I mean, this was a game that went back and forth. Final was four, three, um, It was just, it was really satisfying for all this team has been through and for all they couldn't put together this year to have this be the way they closed it out.
1: Well, and it answered one question we said yesterday. You know, what would the team look like? How can they come out with a a level of fire? What would their energy be? and this was a hard fought match that they brought everything to and and, and you could see some of that the, just the pride of the moment i think that we underrate how difficult that is to do when mm-hmm. you're dealing with the disappointment of knowing that you're not playing for the gold or the silver, not, silver. now you got to get yourself up for the bronze, I just think that takes more uh, from any athlete than we usually give it credit for. And then when you add the disappointment that was palpable from Rapino and everybody else after the loss, I, I I wondered if we would see the same fire. And it felt like we saw it times 10, which was an incredible reminder of how resilient and great this team can be. Yes, bronze is not the result we wanted, but I'm also really, in general, throughout the Olympics, really tired of this concept that silver or bronze is epic failure, which is what I think the social media world has done to the Olympics in general.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, One thing that's a little disappointing is what we saw against Australia in this match. Had it been applied and had they figured out that energy and attack Earlier, yeah. they might have been in the in the gold medal match, and that's something that they'll have to to live with. But listen, this Australia team had every reason to outduel them and to keep coming back and prove that they had you know less spirit because of the disappointment. This is a team that would die for a bronze, would be so thrilled with a bronze. So they were coming with the kind of energy the U.S. would have brought for a, for a gold match. And the, the U.S. came back every time and continued to score and close the door on them. Um, I was really impressed and really happy for the amount of work they put in, especially for Carly and Megan, if there's any chance that is the last time they get to see the Olympic stage. In Spain and Fitz Air Spain, Jason Fitz recap some of the, the Olympic stuff. On the other hand, there was a 4 by 100 U.S. team, and they've had such trouble with the handoffs in this relay that they even had Kevin Hart do, like, a special piece about how difficult they've, it is to do the, the baton exchanges. <laughs> and they didn't drop it this time, so that's improvement, I guess. But one of the exchanges was so bad, they were so slowed that the men's four by one from America did not make it to the finals. Sixth in their heat, sixth in their heat, leading Carl Lewis to call them the attempt, not them, the attempt, a total Embarrassment. He tweeted, The USA team did everything wrong in the men's relay. The passing system is wrong. Athletes running the wrong legs. And it was clear that there was no leadership. It was a total embarrassment and completely unacceptable for a USA team to look worse than the AAU kids I saw. Ouch. Mm.
1: And when that comes from Carl Lewis, I think it just hits harder, right? Like there are just certain names that are still... Uh, they have so much gravitas around their sport. He would obviously be at the top top of the list for so many. And, uh, yeah, this is a disappointing outcome. And, and one of the things that just says rare things in track and field that I think that has felt out of sync for the USA team mm-hmm. in this year's Olympics.
2: It's almost like the yips at this point. So yeah. in 08, they dropped the baton on the last leg. In 2016, they actually got silver, but then those medals were taken away because of gay testing positive for banned substances. We all remember that. And then four years later, they had another... Baton handoff disqualification because they handed off in the disqual in the designated out, outside of the designated area. So that's like that's not just once or twice. That's four different times that this now five that this relay has essentially been been tainted or 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 you know uh, some sort of like curses on it, right? I mean, it feels so outside of the expectation for the U S so uh, a bummer to see that. On the other hand, we did see USA hoops, get the win. They will advance. And as usual, they were depending on Kevin Durant to get them through. Here's Brian Windhorse on the net star being the leader for the U S again.
0: Kevin Durant is how they did it because the tis, the U S were tight in this game. This was a huge game for Australia. They'd been preparing for it for a long time. They had a really good game plan And it was working. And Kevin just put his head down, got a few baskets that they really needed late in the first half to make it a three-point game. And Drew Holiday was terrific on defense against Patty Mills. He just wasn't able to get going. He's a vital player for Australia. And once Kevin Durant came out and hit some more baskets in the third quarter, it was like the entire U.S. team could just relax. And that's what happened. They turned into a blowout, but... I'm telling you it's Durant Durant is powering this thing it's very impressive to watch
1: Got to be excited too sir if you're a Nets fan watching this because Durant it just it looks smooth it looks natural it looks easy you know, there's a spot for Kevin Durant when he takes over that you look at it and say, hey, uh, everything is going to be fine as long as he's fine if you're a Nets fan. And, and that's got to be how we feel for Team USA moving forward. I mean, that this was uh, for, for this team, I thought Kevin Durant absolutely not only took the game over, but the, the team looked the most comfortable we've seen them throughout the course of the Olympics, too. So a big win for them, and, and I don't see any reason not to feel hopeful about their ability to win gold.
2: You should also be excited if you recognize that that's the theme music from That's What She Said podcast. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, That apparently is from the ESPN library that they dropped behind Windhorse there. Also, if you remember that it's the music from my commish rap for The Levitard Show. Uh, The name is Spain and they call me the commish, C-O-M-M-I-S-A. She wouldn't want to mess with this. Step into the grid. That one. Go back and find it. It's a banger. If I do say so myself, I was very maybe, shocked maybe. to hear that drop in the middle of Wind Horse's take.
1: <laughs> maybe they were putting it in there just to give everybody a subconscious reminder to they check did. out. That's what yeah. she said. I appreciate yeah. Sports Center. Appreciate
2: that. Thank you, Sports Center. Yeah. On the other side of, of the U.S. match was a loss for Luka Doncic and, and Slovenia, an uh, unbelievable finish from France. Just, just incredible. They go on to face the U.S. Australia will take on Slovenia for the bronze. Uh, Luca, the third triple double in Olympic history: sixteen points, ten boards, eighteen assists. That's an Olympic record for assists. Um, nearly set the scoring record in his first game for Slovenia of these Olympics. So he's just been—he's just been exactly what you'd expect. Incredible. Um, and France ended up being a better team, a team that was able to came, come out on top. And a huge block at the end. To save the game. Uh, so, a bummer for Luca, but it will be fun to see USA France, especially after uh, the loss earlier in the Olympics.
1: I'm not sure anybody in basketball has done more single handedly for the last several months than it feels like Luca has. I mean, you go back to the playoff series where Luca was like, nope, I'm not going to lose. We're going to find a way. And it took a lot to shut him down. And then it would feel like the same for Slovenia. Like, a- as good as some of the pieces around him have been at times, he's been everything to that team. And he's got to be kicking. Himself it wasn't his best shooting night Not that that's everything Uh, there's going to be Some of those shots he's going to be haunted by Thinking if I just nailed that one maybe a Different outcome
2: yeah it it Is uh, it is Incredible to see what he has essentially single Handedly done to Slovenia as a As a competitor in the Olympics though A team that was irrelevant and all You need is Luka uh, is is what they say and, and what the Mavs are saying too. Coming up on Spain and Fitz, the NFL is back and Lewis Riddick is hot on one rookie quarterback. I'll give you one guess as to who it is and why we're talking about it it's next.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
2: Again, yesterday was a rough day for me. My brain was broken. The fact that I thought I was talking about Kansas instead of Kentucky was the least of my worries yesterday. Uh,
1: the real, the real lead that we buried there is that if the bulls and cows are together, babies are going to be made. If it's genuine and color me bad, I'm so just true. saying.
2: I don't know though. If you're a bull, are you into a pony? Oh. <laughs> Again, <laughs> it's Freddie and Fitzsimmons on. <laughs> Just saying, we know what happens when a when a, when a horse mates. I'm pretty with sure a... South Park has
1: done something on this somewhere. I don't know.
2: I don't, oh we God. know what happens when a horse and a donkey mate. That is a mule, I believe. I, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, all I know is South Park told me what happens when an elephant and a pig mate. Like there was a whole episode on that. Whole episode. I
2: also did meet um, a zebra horse once which was pretty rad.
1: That's just a horse that some shyster painted like actually, a Actually, you know what?
2: It was actually a zebra donkey. It was a zonkey, and I remember that because the name zonkey is much more fun than Zorse. I'm just saying. <laughs> I Next met th- a zonkey once. I took a selfie with it. it I'm going to go really
1: buy a donkey. <laughs> I'm going to paint stripes on it, and I'm going to take it to the Kansas and Kentucky State Fairs and win all sorts of prizes. There you go.
2: Kansas and Kentucky. It's Spain and Fitz. I know where Louisville is. My bad on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM channel 80. Shout out. Color me bad either way. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle auto, home, or motorcycle insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Um, football is back, in case you guys didn't know. Uh, we're not making any, any, any statements about the quality of said football. Just zero. We got no starters uh, for either side in terms of quarterback. you have got a whole bunch of folks sitting out. But it's still football the hall of fame game cowboys and Steelers are underway right now and fits you know when you're watching your raiders for instance i don't i mean we'll 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 watch a lot of preseason this in our teams but i i won't commit to full games of anybody except for my own squad so when you're watching your raiders preseason what are you looking for
1: i think there's a couple of things but most of it is just it's a chance to get to know the guys that you hope will contribute Someday, not now. Like so often, you you become obsessed. I think for a lot of us as fans, we become obsessed with like a third string running back or a you know the fifth wide receiver that obviously is going to have a big preseason. And all of a sudden, the, the safety that gets a couple of picks, and you think that that's going to be the future. Like it's your chance to fall in love with the guys that maybe you didn't come into the season reading about in magazines, but you still believe can make it uh, make an impact. And it's guys that you you suddenly look at, especially from rookies that were drafted in the fourth or fifth round. It's your mm-hmm. first chance to see him. I, you really fall in love with the depth of your team in the moment to me.
2: I completely agree. And I think Najee Harris is probably the biggest name there in terms of who you'd want to look for that's actually set to play. Um, and then I think if you're a Steelers fan, you're certainly looking at Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins because there's no guarantees when you have a quarterback like Ben who's, who's got injury issues and is getting older.
1: Yeah, and that's when you talk about Najee, particularly. Always a fine line with with running backs. You never want them to take additional hits, but I think you're you're talking about somebody that is expected to come in and fix issues for the Steelers day one, right? Because they couldn't run the ball last year. Now they still have a lot of issues with their offensive line, so I'm not sure that anybody. I don't know that Superman can come in and have tremendous success running behind that offensive line in right. the early portions of it. But that's what we're going to be looking at because the success of Najee Harris will dictate, I think, the way a lot of us see the possibility. of success for Ben when we start the regular season.
2: And the other side of the ball, you've got the Cowboys' Micah Parsons that's got so much hype around him. So you've got some some young up-and-comers that people are really excited about, um, and you've got the return of some players that you just saw a little bit of, like CeeDee Lamb, right? Um, Chase, Chase Claypool. Uh, so you've got some of those guys to keep an eye out for, and, and you and I both talked about we're not going to bet on preseason games. We're not going to make predictions for our team's regular season success based on the preseason, but it does give us a look at some things. And also just like the players, we get eased into reminding ourselves what it is to get fired up about football again. And personally, I have a very vested interest in the preseason, because as of right now, it sure sounds like Andy Dalton is going to get the nod as the starter, though that's not confirmed yet for the Chicago Bears, which leaves us with getting a look at Justin Fields, the heir apparent, the the guy who many of us are hoping and believe could be the real franchise quarterback that the Bears have been waiting decades for. And I heard Lewis Riddick talking today and Boy, I, I, I had to tell myself, forget everything he ever said about Maserati Mitch. Sometimes, <laughs> Sometimes Lewis gets fired up about guys and it doesn't come true. But this time I believe it. Here's what he said.
0: I'm pretty well connected in Chicago. From day one that he has gotten there, they could not be ha- happier and more ecstatic about his level of commitment his attention to detail, his football IQ, his willingness and desire in how and in how intentional he has been to eliminate all distractions, his leadership, his poise, his swagger, his respect towards Andy Dalton as far as saying, hey, look, I know why I'm here, but at the same time, I know you've been a good pro. So he has been a guy who has kind of fallen in line Performed when he's needed to perform, but also shown Andy the level of respect that he believes that Andy deserves. When he gets out on the football field, his continuous progression as far as being able to get these long, lengthy play calls communicated in the huddle. His ability to know what not only he's doing, but what everyone else is doing. And that improvement that he's making every single day has them, I can just tell you this, it has them freaking ecstatic. It's just (laughs) a matter of now. When, as I said before, when do they kind of, like, pull that show cover off of him and say, hey, look, it's time for you to go? Because Matt wants to play it safe with him because he wants him to be great. And I get that. I'm just saying I think it's going to be a – I think they're just going to have to at some point in time just go, man, just put him in there. Enough of this waiting, put him in there. Because he is blowing their minds as far as how happy they have been with everything that he's doing. Woo!
2: Feeling good? Somebody – Throw some cold water on me. I'm freaking (laughs) ecstatic.
1: I think what what I love about this is what Lewis was just talking about does remind me a little bit of the rookie year of Derek Carr, you know, picked at the top of the second round, and Matt Schaub was the presumed and very well-paid starter that was going to just hold it down for a year. And there was great story because as training camp came in, everybody was saying, no, Carr's much better than we expected. And wow, this is great. And I think expectations higher for Fields. But one thing that really I remember was an interview with Carr where he talked about at the end of preseason he played so well in the game he got called by the Raiders and he thought he had been traded because it was called after the last preseason game. He's like, I guess I played myself into a job somewhere. And it turned out instead he got the call that, hey, we're not going to go with shop. You are going to be the starting quarterback of the team. I think that's a best case scenario. Like Justin Fields can come out with no pressure right now. Just be himself. And Andy Dalton's going to be a total pro. And if Fields wins the job, there's no skin off anybody's back. Just giving it to him. I think, Sarah, you are in a great position with what I think is one of the best quarterbacks in this draft.
2: Yeah, I'm extremely excited about him as a talent. I'm optimistic about what the Bears added in offensive line and the protection that he's going to get. I'm optimistic about the weapons he has to throw to. I loved Matt Nagy in his first year. I thought there was tons of creativity. Remember how much fun we had watching offensive linemen score touchdowns? The creativity, it kind of went away. And I want to see that back, and I want to see that in a position that's going to build for a long-term success with him. That's the only thing that's holding me back. I don't need to see him week one just to see him. If they don't think he's ready or the line isn't ready or the system isn't ready, I'm okay waiting a couple weeks.
1: Yeah, I I don't think you're wrong about that. Patience is a virtue. This is a long-term play, not a short-term play for a team that is very good in a lot of other ways on this. Uh, I I think there's reason to be excited for the Bears.
2: Me too. Me too, Fitz. Oh my God, don't get me too riled up. Although, you know what? Why why be negative now? Optimism now then you don't suffer it twice if they suck. Right. Uh, Coming up, Speaking of optimism, we'll talk to wide receiver of the Washington football team, Terry McLaurin, see if he's feeling scary. It's next. I'm
4: freaking <laughs> ecstatic!
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on
1: ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. We're going to head straight over to the Goodyear hotline because once you come on the show, I think three times is when you become officially friend of the show. and i have to send
2: out that membership packet. It, it, who is there,
1: is there free yeah. stuff
2: for that membership back Yeah, not for you,
1: though. Oh, okay, well, that's fair. I, I'm, I'm still not sure I have friend of the show status, but that's because <laughs> I'm officially not as good at anything that I do as Terry McLaurin is at being an epic wide receiver the, for the Washington football team. He joins us now. Man, coming off of a huge second year for you in the league, but it was a strange year with COVID and everything else. So how different has this offseason been so far for you versus what you experienced last year?
3: Hey, how you guys doing? Thanks for having me. Um, good, thanks. I thanks. I, I think it's been, you know, different, uh, but different in a, in a good way. It's kind of some sense of normalcy. Um, obviously, there's, you know, protocols in place still, but um, it's nice to kind of, uh, you know, we had OTAs, got some spring ball, and got back in camp and having fans out there at our camp. So um, it's been cool so far to kind of get a sense of how things used to be and hopefully how things could start um, trending in the right direction.
2: Terry, I'm pumped for you to play with Ryan Fitzpatrick just because Fitz magic makes me smile. I, I love watching him right. play. I love his enthusiasm. I love his personality and his sense of humor. I love that he's a, a Harvard man. Uh, tell us about mm-hmm. uh, the early connection that you've been making with your new QB.
3: Yeah, I think Fitz has been great. Um, you know, he's a veteran in this league and has been in a lot of different systems and played with a lot of great players. So, um, you know, for a young group of guys he really helps us out a lot he knows how to get us into the right plays and um he makes the job easier for all of us and you know he likes to have a good time in um when it's time to have a good time but he knows how to lock in when that's necessary too which gives him a balance from the quarterback position that's really cool to see and then you you know as a receiver you obviously love that he's going to give you the ability to to uh, make plays down the field
2: i heard you call him fun in an interview can you give us an example of, of how he makes things fun in practice
3: Oh man, he'll just like the the number one thing that comes in my head is, you know, quarterbacks in certain situations they'll obviously scramble if the play breaks down, but um, you know, they may take one or two, you know, extra steps, but Fitz will start running down the field like thirty, forty yards, uh, like super hyping into it and then during camp, you know, he breaks off for a run all the way to the end zone and he's like hyping up the crowd. He's just he knows how to make sure everybody's having a good time while still getting the job done. So Um, That's very unique about him. I think that's why so many people are fans of him.
1: We're talking to Washington football team wide receiver Terry McLaurin. Although, Terry, I just got to be honest with you. You know, like my last name is only Fitz. Like it's just Fitz. There's nothing after it. So I've got a little beef with the whole Fitz magic. Like, why can't it be Fitzpatrick magic? Let's like, just talk to it. He's right. stealing my last name. I'm just saying. It's it's, it's a constant rant for me. Now, uh, we mentioned your production, your step up, but also the focus that you're now getting across the league. How different is it for you now going into a year where, frankly, you are a leader and you're somebody that this team is relying on to, to have? have great production
3: yeah I mean first of all it's humbling to be in that position to be in a position of leadership to be in a position where uh, your teammates expect so much of you but I feel like um, I would like to think that's because I try to earn that respect each and every year I don't really try to lean on what I did in previous years or previous situations I've been trying to work on different things in the offseason so they could show up and improve my game and ultimately help our team and I think they may do a really good job of um you know, helping me when I need help, and 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 lean on them, and and they support me, and they believe in me, and I just want to come through for them when I can. So um, that's why you know you go so hard for for the guys that you're playing with.
2: Terry McLaurin of the Washington Football Team is with us here on Spain and Fitz on the Goodyear Hotline. Terry, you know. Football is is such a tough sport, and so often careers are are, are fairly short. You've had incredible success, but you've been on a team that's had a ton of off-the-field distractions, tons of questions around the quarterback position. It just hasn't been the most ideal situation for personal success, and yet you've found a lot of it. How do you mentally steady yourself and make yourself optimistic and, and look on the bright th- side of things when you do constantly have to deal with the team that has no name and all these other things going on?
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously you know those things are happening, but you can't allow it to be a distraction. Um, you got to come in the building each and every day, learn, try to get better and learn from the mistakes you made the day before. Um, but if you get to kind of worry about things that are out of your control, that's when, you know, things don't really end up well for you. So we just try to compartmentalize as best we can. Obviously, there's a lot of going uh, things going on, but I feel like we have a lot of positive things going on in the right direction as well. So um, I think that's what we have, and we just got to continue to try to build on that.
1: You get to practice every day against one of the better defenses in the league that, frankly, deserves yeah. a ton of praise. Who's trash-talking the most out on that defense?
3: <laughs> uh, they, they all do in their own certain ways. <laughs> Obviously, it starts with that D-line. You know, they're very vocal, but... Um, They just want to get everybody better. I think that's the cool part about um, how we're starting to mesh more as a team. It's just, it's super competitive, offense, defense. We know we're still teammates at the end of the day, but um, you want to make sure our defense wants to have a good day, offense wants to have a good day. But um, I think it's just that competitiveness that's going to uh, really help us going into the season because then we'll be able to see, you know, other people, opponents, instead of each other all the time. But they keep it fun, um, and it's obviously super competitive. Uh, practice every day
2: a lot of the stories about you out there now are about you battling cornerback William Jackson III and him talking about how much better you're getting even than last year scary Terry Mm. is truly scary for opposing D's if you're getting much better than last year even how much of that relationship of you two in practice the sort of iron sharpens iron thing is going on there
3: almost definitely I think that's very important when you have another guy not just him but I think Kendall Fuller and some of our young corners that we have do a good job of just challenging me in different ways. Um, You know, I get certain techniques from Will or certain techniques from uh, Kendall that may be different, but you're going to see so many different good corners in this league, it helps to go against those guys. So um, it's been fun going against them. We kind of get matched up for the whole practice, and um, we just try to make each other better because we know in the the long run it's going to end up helping um, our team. Um, but neither one of us want to lose a rep, but you understand the, the caliber of player you're going against. you gotta you got to be ready to bring it every practice, which is only going to prepare you for the games.
1: Terry, Ron Rivera hasn't really minced words when it comes to vaccination, and I know that's a tough topic right now for a lot of teams, but how has your locker room been approaching just the conversation about the choice and how everybody's handling it?
3: Um, I think we've done a good job, starting with you know Coach Rivera. He respects everybody's decision. Obviously, they've done a good job of bringing in um, certain experts to try to help educate guys. And for the guys that are vaccinated, we gotta, you know, continue to try to help those guys um, get as much information they need if that's what they need. Um, but at the same time, I think we all respect each other's decision. We know the importance of it, but we, nobody wants to be the guy um, that kind of, you know, gets in the way of what we're trying to build. And I think we have a good locker room in that. I think that it shows with. Um, You know, I think guys are getting better. Obviously, our numbers are trimming in the right direction. We just got to continue to stay accountable to ourselves and then to each other to try to keep everybody safe.
2: Terry McLaurin's with us here from the Washington football team. Speaking of that name, Washington football team, I know they're not going to ask you guys for your input. You're not going to fill out a little, you know, Google doodle survey about your favorites. But do you guys talk about that at all in the locker room? Just like chatting about what you'd like it to be?
3: Uh, not really. I mean, there's so much going on on the field. We don't really try to focus on that part. Um, but I mean, everybody's anxious to see what it's going to be. Obviously, um, we have confidence that it's going to be something that everybody can be proud of and And, you know, we're going into a, a new, um, era. So, um, you know, we still got those, um, great fans that are supporting us and we just want to try to uh, put something also on the field that they can be proud of. Along with the name, whenever it comes out.
1: All right, Terry. Before we let you go, it's preseason. It's training camp. I know it's a grind. Give me your favorite thing about training camp and your least favorite thing.
3: Ooh, um, I probably say the, the my favorite thing is you get to know so many different guys. Um, you know, the older I get, the more you appreciate. Um, Can't be have those big rosters, so you get to know a certain di- different guys that may not even be there. You know, come season time when the roster cuts down. But just building that camaraderie with new guys and every year is different. You got new different personnel. You got new people around the building. So I think that camaraderie and getting to know people and start your own journey is really cool. And, um, I mean, just uh, the toughest part is obviously just the grind of camp. I mean, it's where you, you get better. You learn the fundamentals. You try to hone in on those skills. And it can be mentally and physically taxing, but you try to do the best that you can to, um, you know, perform at practice and get better and take care of your body. So camp is camp at the end of the day, but um, – you know, I think the the method behind the madness prepares you for the season. So, but I know our guys are excited to um, finish off these practices and you get to the first preseason game.
1: Well, Terry, even though you don't play for Sarah's Bears or my beloved Raiders, we're still always rooting for you as a friend of the yep. show, man. We appreciate yep. you coming on. Congrats You're, on just uh, kicking butt, man. It's fun to your, watch you Your
2: membership pin and your uh, customized seat cushion are on the way. Sarah uh, pays for all that, though. Uh, I That's really great. appreciate
3: that. You know, I'm, I'm indoctrinated now, so we're all good. Perfect. Yeah.
1: Appreciate it, right. Terry. Have a great season,
3: man. Thanks for joining appreciate us. Appreciate it. You guys, You guys have a good one. Thanks for having me. It's
1: Washington football team wide receiver Terry McLaurin. Brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. I have said this every time we've talked to him. He's just an easy guy to root for, easy yeah, guy to get make behind. Me root
2: for the darn WTFs.
1: Well, you know what? Uh, uh, careers are long. You never know. Maybe like, maybe, he, true. maybe he ends up wearing better colors at some point. I'm just saying. You know, uh, <laughs> silver and black looks good on everybody. Speaking of I looks good, it. somebody <laughs> I know looks really good. On a baseball card. We'll tell you about it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz Podcast. There's a, uh, a Hall of Fame game going on right now, which is every bit as clunky as you would expect. The good news is, y'all, it's not the first regular season game of the year, mm-hmm. as it's 3 nothing it right now early on. Uh, yeah, it's it's 3 nothing. Cowboys are ahead uh, early on in this thing. And, yeah, it is... It's an interesting watch uh, as I've got it on here in studio, Sarah. And I I will remind everybody not to take anything away from a preseason football game. The first preseason game, particularly like I'm just always a believer that these things don't matter. But at least we have
2: football. Yes, we have football uh, in a in a form that uh, will prepare us for the good stuff. Uh, (laughs) The fluffer of football games.
1: Well, that is one way to put it. Uh, Speaking of the good stuff. (laughs) I, here I am just hanging out and look I was never a baseball card guy right I was never a baseball card guy but I was a football card guy not not to, uh, really a surprise to anybody uh, I loved football cards as a kid had all the Raiders I could ever get my hands on football cards and so you know I, I have a love for it I'm we're prepping for the show today and Stosh producer extraordinaire just flippantly mentions how cool it is that there's a tops baseball card for one Sarah Spain good God you are super famous <laughs>
2: I wouldn't say super famous, but super cool. Absolutely. I mean, this is undeniably awesome. It is incredibly rad to have my own baseball card, a Topps baseball card. It's from the Allen and Ginter Packs. And to be honest with you, I've loved baseball for a long time. And of course, I understand the draw around cards, but I've never been a card collector. I have a bunch and a lot of people actually will send me great Cubs ones when they come across them. But it's not something I've gotten really into. So I had to look up what the background for these Allendon-Ginter cards were, thinking to myself, like, okay, I don't think you'll be able to put my, like, slugging on this card. (laughs) What what are we aiming for with this baseball card I'm getting? And as it turns out, they decided to add these packs in the 1800s of things like notable celebrities, uh, famous buildings, right, Um, chiefs. American Indian Chiefs, Flags of the World, uh, Wild Animals. So they're all these baseball cards that you get a pack of and you don't know what to expect. And um, in, in Tops took it over in 2006 and started uh, adding some names like Mia Hamm and Hulk Hogan and, you know, Randy Couture and Dennis Rodman and started to keep rolling these out. So I am in the current pack, Kevin Nagandi of ESPN, my buddy Roy Wood Jr. from The Daily Show, who's a friend of mine, great comedian. So it's fun to be in the pack with with two people I know. And then also you open up a pack and you could get like an obelisk or a shark's tooth or a Sarah Spain signed or a Sarah Spain relic with a tiny little piece of, of a shirt that I wore in the card. So it's it's really fun to be a part of.
1: Okay, so did they give you a stack of these to keep for yourself, or do you have to go out and find them? That's the question. So
2: well. first they sent me hundreds, a couple hundred of them to sign and send back that get inserted into the packs randomly so that people can hope that they get, you know, an autographed Sarah Spain card. I don't have the rest of them. They get released on August 11th. So my guess is they send them to us around the same time so that we can't leak to the marketplace or try to sell them in advance or something like that. So I will have my stack soon. And fits. if you play your cards right, I will send you a signed Sarah Spain. See you what you did there. Could like, be worth a couple cents. Play
1: <laughs> your cards right. See
2: what you uh-huh. uh-huh. uh-huh.
1: <laughs> look. Uh-huh. I, I, I'm just going to be honest with you. Like, uh, if if that moment happened for me in life, I would get that added to my arm. That would that's tattoo worthy. Like when you are on is. a baseball card, that's tattoo. Like I've had this lifelong goal, and and I'm not even going to be transparent, or, or, or I, I should say secretive about the fact that like I've been talking to some people around Madden lately, trying to make some relationships because that that game is a big part of my life mm-hmm. growing up, and when I talk to some of the people there and they're like what what what's your dream scenario i'm like i want to be in the dang game like i want to be in a madden game (laughs) in some capacity and when that happens because it will happen in my life somehow some way that's going on the tattoo like when you're in a video game you add that to the tattoo but you've already done that i was
2: gonna say uh in that case i guess i've got a couple tats to add because i'm also in an arcade game uh it is from a couple years ago, so this is not new, but you didn't know about it. It's the uh, X Games Snowcross arcade game. So you actually sit on a seat that looks and feels like a snowmobile, and it moves side to side with you. And you go across um, different arctic landscapes, and you could throw snowballs at your opponents and you know do cool jumps. And I am the voice of that game. So if you ever at Dave & Buster's or some other place come across X Games Snowcross, you will hear me in it saying things like, what a trick. Wow, good job. Or at the beginning, it's like, choose your sled. Choose your upgrade. Choose your course. I mean, and I'm it's all i 'm my I'm voice. A hundred
1: percent sure, I played this game. So, yeah. like, you know, it's that, a that's, fun
2: game, actually.
1: It, 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 I my jealousy only continues to just grow and grow <laughs> through this. Like, look, Madden, call me. Like, I just just put me in halftime or do like a pregame show to the pregame show and make it look like a digital show. It'll fit perfectly. Like the day that they announced that NCAA football may be coming back, that's one of the few times in uh, my life I've called every person I know and I've been like, I need in on this game because I have enough college make, football on yeah. my resume. To to justify this at this point, there's got to be a way. Like I'm just desperate to be in a video game.
2: I so the video games don't do it for me as much, even though I do. Like I said, very cool to be in that snowcross game. For me, it's more like I want to be in a really awesome movie as the like reporter. Like oh, whenever they have yeah. someone in a movie, for that, I'm like, I do that. Just like have me do that in the movie. Um, I want to be in some awesome sports movie. We're like, you know how in Ted Lasso, it, SVP got to be on talking about, you know, like a faux Sports Center, hit, yeah. talking about Ted Lasso. That's that moment I want. I want to be in some awesome TV show or movie that I love and be a part of it. Nah. I mean, I don't know if I'd get. So you know, Fitz, I don't have any tattoos, unlike you. I I I don't have any, but I did find myself during the Olympics saying over and over to my husband, I wish I was in the Olympics to get an Olympic rings tattoo. Like there are other reasons to be in the Olympics, clearly. But like every Olympian I see with the rings tattoo, I'm like, that is the coolest thing. And that is actually something I would, Ink onto
1: my body. Yeah, I have the rings on my arm. That is a, a true story. When you we, were yeah. in the Olympics. Well, no, but in 2016, we had the song for Team USA, and we all went to Rio, and we we uh, okay, played we played for the Team USA house, and did the Today Show on the beach, and. I was in the room when Phelps set the record for the gold gold wow. record, so it was like that's amazing for me. That was like a, such a I can't believe I'm at the Olympics as a musician that I felt it was worthy of, of it's a bit of a it.
2: fudging of the rules. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, you're like, not I, actually I'm an not Olympian. an Olympian, but you if know. I were an actual Olympian, I'd probably be like, nah, I don't yeah, know I mean, about you know, that. I mean, eh,
1: like I've got the Super Bowl on my arm too, but that was from playing the Super Bowl, not from actually playing in the Super Bowl. So it's consistent with my arm, you know. Like that's the the one thing. I'd say, like, I never played a snap in the Super Bowl, but I still have
2: the Super Bowl. uh, That counts, right? Pretty rad. Still pretty rad.
1: I'm I'm still just incredibly jealous of the video game work. Like, there's got to be a way uh, to make that happen. And by the way, next time you get a TOPS card, just put, like, one of the, like, a bad picture of me, like, tiny on the back as a hidden nugget. (laughs) I'll still get it added to my tattoo at that point. That's the one thing. Fitz,
2: I want you to know something. It's very important. Listen closely. You're always going to be my hidden nugget.
0: Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.